0: And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with me today, Dr. Kevin Sherritt. Good to be with you, Dan. Kevin, it's great to have you here. Appreciate you joining us today. We have an interesting discussion on the table. Um, So many of us have heard of the Lord's Prayer, sometimes called the model prayer, in Scripture. And today we want to talk about the Lord's Prayer. And uh, to get us started... If you're near your Bible, actually, uh, listener, you can look it up. It's in Matthew, at least one place, is Matthew chapter 6, starting with verse 5. But um, at a high level, Kevin, um, as you think about the Lord's Prayer, what are some of the things that comes to your mind?
1: Well, there's a couple. One is that um, it's interesting when the disciples ask Jesus to pray that he actually... uh, in Matthew's Gospel says, pray then like this, and, and gives them a full and complete prayer. And um, I think the Church has always recognized rightly um, that in doing so, the Lord has provided for us um, the pattern, a, a kind of norm by which we can test our prayers and order our prayers and direct our prayers. And so, in addition to that, it's interesting that in Luke's Gospel, the Lord's prayers in Matthew 6, But it's also in Luke 11. In Luke's Gospel, Jesus is more explicit and says, when you pray, say this. So it's as if he places his very words into our mouths. And so when we come to the Lord's Prayer, uh, we can both pray it, which the Church has always done, but we use it as well as a guide to prayer. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's it's uniquely rich. Of course, the whole Word of God directs us and, and instructs us and uh, enriches us in the duty of prayer, right? We have the prayers of Paul, and we have the Psalms. We have Daniel's magnificent prayer in Daniel 9. But in the Lord's Prayer, we have a condensed rule, as well as an actual petition that we should pray.
0: You know, I'm sitting here thinking, um, sometimes people may be inclined to feel that, oh, this is a quote-unquote canned prayer. Uh, This is, I don't want to pray this by rote. Uh, How would you answer that sort of uh, concern that a sincere Christian may ask?
1: Yes, that's a a very good question, and it often comes up in in services that are traditional where occasionally there may be written prayers. I I do think I would use the Lord's Prayer from Luke 11 where it seems pretty clear that Jesus is saying not only is this a pattern, this is a prayer for you. Say these words.
0: Yeah, that's helpful, right?
1: It's very clear that this is a written prayer that the Lord expects us to use, even as the Psalms, although they are songs. First, many of them are petitions written for the permanent use of the church, Mm -hmm. and so you know, there's that. Plus, what we know of the early synagogue, where there were formal prayers and. and in Acts chapter 2, it speaks of the church being gathered together for the breaking of bread and for the prayers. The, the actual article is there. The prayer is probably referring to the synagogue prayer. So there's more than enough evidence that um, formal prayers were used in the synagogues,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, were used by Jesus in the early church. And in fact, we have this uh, formal written prayer. These sorts of things are not so that we can turn our mind off or that we can do something by road in fact they are there so that we can be guided and directed in our lord's wisdom so that when we pray to god we know that we're asking for things that our lord has authorized us to ask for and desires to give us because we are using his very words
0: Mm -hmm. yeah well it it helps a lot i i actually this is the first I've noticed it. You brought it out, um, Luke 11, verse 2. Um, it is actually a command when he says, right. when you pray, say. So that is helpful. Um, the The Lord apparently was was praying right prior to his disciples asking him uh, about how to pray. And it's kind of interesting. They, they apparently were observing him in prayer, and he stops praying, and then they ask this question. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's um, right. Now, the content of the prayer, um, whether we pray it verbatim or whether we use it as a model for other prayers that we may uh, have, um, can we talk a little bit about some of the content of the Lord's Prayer? I believe that um, it's broken into what you call petitions.
1: Sure. It's incredibly rich. If the prayer starts. Our Father in Heaven, which that would be the preface to the prayer. And every word is important. I mean, the first word of the Lord's Prayer is our. And this teaches us something very important, that prayer is a fundamentally corporate endeavor, we do it with other people. It's not my Jesus or my Lord or my Father in prayer. It's our mm. Father. Mm. And so Jesus probably envisions here a praying community, a praying people, a people who pray publicly together, mm-hmm. which is not to say that God is not your God personally or that you can not you can never say my Father or, or address God sure. uh, with singular types of uh, pronouns. Mm. But it is interesting that the model prayer is corporate that, that we're, we pray together, we pray with the Church and, and the saints, and obviously it, it directs us to God's fatherly goodness, that it's God as Father who has already, if you will, adopted us as sons in Christ and whose beneficence, whose benevolent disposition is, is the key to praying. We don't pray to God in general or God in the abstract. We pray to God who is our Father, and thus there's a sort of childlikeness mm. um, that should be displayed in this prayer.
0: Here's a question I have. Um, do you think, therefore, it's it's preferable, based on this prayer, that as a Christian approaches God in prayer, that he comes, um, that maybe the first phrases out of our mouth should be something like, our Heavenly Father or our Father in Heaven, uh, as opposed to um, praying to the Holy Spirit or praying to Jesus it seems like it's more appropriate to address the Father.
1: Yes, I think there's a sense in which um, prayer, uh, speaking in a kind of precise theological way, terminates on the Father. So I, I would agree that we, we would say that we pray um, in the Spirit and then you know, in and through Jesus Christ mm-hmm. unto the Father. So, yes. Um, and of course there are prayers addressed to Christ in Scripture as well, Sure. He, can, he can be prayed to, but he's prayed to as the Son of the Father. I don't know, and I don't believe there are any prayers directed to the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit's ministry is, if you will, to efface himself and to guide us to Christ, so that in Christ we might be children of our Heavenly Father. Mm-hmm. And So the, the whole logic of our salvation, the way it's wrought and the way we participate in it, is such that principally prayer should be thought of as an activity done, you know, in the Holy Spirit, you know, through Jesus Christ unto the Father. Mm-hmm. So I think you're, I think you're right. There's a, this fatherly kindness and the openness of God. You know, Jesus mm-hmm. says, "Which of you, earthly fathers, if your if your child asks you for a, you know, a fish, is not going to give him a scorpion, right?" Mm-hmm. Uh, how much more will your Heavenly Father give good things to those who ask? And so that's the sort of disposition that, that prayer springs from. And I think we often falter and forget and, and suspend our praying life because um, we've lost this sense that God wants to hear and answer our prayers. You know, often our, our unanswered prayers or other forms of cynicism or worry or doubt sometimes, ironically, make it easier on our faith not to pray, because we don't want to be disappointed.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I see we need to take a short break. Today on the phone line is Dr. Kevin Sherritt. We're talking about the Lord's Prayer. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
2: In my darkness Jesus found me Touched my eyes and made me see Broke sin's chains that long had bound me Gave me life and liberty O glorious love of Christ my Lord divine That made him stoop to save a soul like mine Through all my days and then in heaven above My song will silence never. I'll worship Him forever and praise Him for His glorious love. My song will silence never. I'll worship Him forever and praise Him for His glorious love.
3: We'll be right back with our program in just a minute. Stay with us now for the second half of our program.
2: Oh, amazing truth to ponder, He whom angel hosts attend. Lord of heaven, God's Son, what wonder! He became the sinner's friend. Of Christ,
0: my Lord, divine, and welcome back. You're tuned to A so Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with us today is Dr. Kevin Sherritt. We're talking about a, an exceedingly interesting portion of Scripture today. It is the Lord's Prayer, a prayer that so many of us uh, know so very well. We've prayed it so many times, and... Today, we're talking about the different petitions of that Lord's Prayer. And so far, we've talked about our Father in Heaven. Um, Kevin, can you keep going? Uh, Let's now look at the first petition and the various other petitions of this beautiful prayer.
1: Sure, our our Father in Heaven. Well, I should just briefly finish that, Dan. We talked about Mm -hmm. God as our Father, but He is also our Father in Heaven, and therefore He is the transcendent Lord. So he's not just our pal type of father. The, mm. the, the, the opening preface, it's not one of the petitions per se, but the preface, our Father in heaven, all, all the words are important. We pray corporately, we pray to God who is our Father, but the one who is our Father and who is kindly disposed to us is in heaven and we are on earth, and therefore our prayers should be sober and humble. Mm. But the, the first petition which comes after that, hallowed be thy name, you know, this This drives the prayer. We're praying that God's name be sanctified, treated as holy in the earth um, by us and and by others, right? And that mm-hmm. his name is his character, the the ways in which he makes himself known. And so we are praying that we would glorify God and that the, the name of God, his attributes, his ordinances, his word, his works... Uh, would be hallowed um, throughout the whole earth and this is the 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 very first thing we pray for is the magnification the glorification the hallowing of god's name beginning you know in before our own eyes on our own lips in our own hearts and then extending um, to the end of the world Mm -hmm. and i think this again is very convicting to us moderns because it turns out that we're we're selfish prayers when we pray Mm -hmm. Right, the first petition, the very first petition, is that God's name be sanctified and hallowed and, um, and
0: glorified. Mm-hmm.
1: That means this is at the head yeah. of our prayer lives.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm also reminded of the fact that, um, regarding the name of God, that elsewhere we're told, I think in the third commandment, that thou shalt not take the name of the Lord God in vain. Right. Um, so his name truly is hallowed.
1: This is the opposite of that, right? You know, we don't take the name of the Lord in vain, but we pray that that name be hallowed. Yeah.
0: Right? It's neat. What about the second petition of the Lord's Prayer?
1: The second petition, very closely, they're all closely related, but the second petition is, Thy kingdom come. And here, let me. Uh, quote here, the words of the Shorter Catechism, the Westminster Shorter Catechism, which I think are a good summary of this prayer. Mm -hmm. Um, Here we pray that Satan's kingdom may be destroyed. This is often forgotten. Um, We are praying for the kingdom of God to come, and there's no way of getting around that this means praying either for the conversion or the destruction of his enemies. There's no neutral ground, and this is a radical, cosmic, political, social prayer we are praying for god 's kingdom to come. Uh, we are not praying for you know the American Empire or the Chinese Empire or any other empire. We are mm-hmm. praying for the Empire of Christ to come now now the kingdom and this means we are praying for the whole kingdom the whole realm of satanic deception and bondage to be destroyed mm. um, and so in a sense, we are praying what one author called um, on the psalms, the war psalms of the Prince of Peace.
0: Oh, yes, yes.
1: This is a a warrior sort of petition. We're praying that the kingdom of grace would then come and be advanced in ourselves, and others would be brought into it and kept into it. And we're also praying that the coming eternal kingdom, the glorious coming kingdom of God, might be hastened. When we pray for the kingdom to come, we are not only praying that God by his spirit would destroy Satan's works, he would... Um, advance his kingdom on earth. We are praying for the consummation of all things. Mm -hmm. We are praying, uh, as the book of Revelation says, the spirit and the bride say, Come, Lord Jesus. We are yearning for the resurrection of the dead, the vindication of the martyrs. We're yearning for the reconciliation of the whole cosmos. We want justice and righteousness to be done in the earth. And so at the very outset, the prayer has ordered us to the hallowing of God's name, and to the coming of his kingdom, which will lead to the consummate hallowing of his name. Mm. And this shapes, is to shape our petitions. And and it shows us that we need to sort of lift our eyes up in the way we pray and to pray for the grand purposes of God. Often our our prayers are are quite paltry and small (laughs) and... uh, and And we, we and while it 's perfectly fine to pray for the little things God cares about all the details of our lives and and wants us to talk to him about all of our needs, it would be a tragedy to live that way without a driving you know, pulsating desire for the, the kingdom of God to come yes. that 's reflected in our prayer lives
0: I find you are mentioning here the second petition of the and how it 's talked about in the shorter Catechism. Um, We've got these little booklets we hand out if people ask for them, Free of Charge, The Shorter Catechism. I opened it up uh, to this very point that you were talking about. And I find it helpful that um, these guys, these divines they're called, um, seem to make an important distinction. They talk about the kingdom of grace being advanced, and they also talk about the kingdom of glory being hastened. Um, can we talk just a little more about the kingdom of grace being advanced, and what is, how does that flesh out? How, how should we be encouraged by that?
1: Well, the distinction, of course, points to the kingdom which has come in Jesus Christ, which is there called the kingdom of grace, and is spreading through the earth, and the kingdom which shall come when he returns in yes. glory, the consummate kingdom. But the kingdom of grace is primarily that which comes through the propagation of the gospel, mm-hmm. the calling of people out of darkness into light, through the, through the furnishing of the church with gifts and, and officers and ministries, through purging the church of corruption, and through, this, through the influence, the leaven of the church as salt and light in the earth. That is how the kingdom of grace expands. And so, again, this prayer calls us out into a kind of engaged um, spiritual warfare which seeks to push back the frontiers of darkness, both in our own hearts Mm -hmm. and lives, but also in our communities, in our nation, and in the world. It would be hard to be more comprehensive in fewer words than the Lord has been when he says, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I was reading a text, um, Psalm 72, 8 through 11. And sometimes as I read something like that, I think, okay, is this, um, how far um, How far will this dominion, he talks about, he shall have dominion also from sea to sea and from the river unto the ends of the earth. They that dwell in the wilderness shall bow before him and his enemies shall lick the dust. And I just got to be honest, it's not clear to me how far his quote, dominion extends this side of the second coming, and I think I, at least, tend to err um, sometimes I'm too pessimistic uh, because of the age in which we live. You know, we see a lot of things negative happening around us, and the tendency is to believe um, the news broadcasts before we believe the Word of God.
1: Yes, I think that's very true, and and I agree with you. It's difficult on some of those messianic passages like psalm 72 which depict the kingdom as covering the whole earth um clearly it won't do that in any full complete sense until the the coming of jesus in glory right and christians have debates about how much of that will happen prior to that but we can say this we can say that the kingdom has come it has already had an enormous mighty impact in the earth christians forget this right i mean i think so the kingdom of God exploded into the world from Palestine and essentially gave us Europe, gave us Western civilization. <laughs> We've, they forget that Russia and parts of the East were Christian for a thousand years. Uh, Christianity spread to the ends of the earth, and even though it has fallen on rougher times in the West in our day, it is actually growing perhaps you know, as fast as it's ever grown in places like Latin America and Africa and the Far East. And so the Christian church is alive and well, and the dominion of Christ is going to extend from sea to sea, and, and the glory of the Lord mm-hmm. is going to you know, cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. So that calls us then to the twofold task of praying for the kingdom to come. The yeah. kingdom of grace now, we seek to advance it, but at the same time we are yearning and crying out for the kingdom of glory. Yeah. One, th- one thing is certain. One thing is certain, the dead will not be raised, Satan will not be cast into the lake of fire, the martyrs will not finally be vindicated, and all enemies will not be finally be subjected until the Lord Jesus comes in glory. And so there's a deep and profound sense in which that yearning for that appearing is the fundamental yearning which should drive Christian prayer, yes. and I think we find ourselves as captives to simply the horizons of our own life or the horizons of linear human history or the horizons of our own age. I, I have, um, you know, somewhat uh, seriously, but, but uh, somewhat uh, perhaps um, trying to be a little bit humorous or provocative with my own church, said that any day, no matter how wonderful the day is, no matter how, how many sweet gifts from the Lord the day is filled with, any day in which the dead are not raised, and, and evil is not destroyed, and the Lord hasn't appeared to, to overthrow Satan himself and rectify the cosmos. Any day which, in which that does not occur is less than a fully good day. <laughs> it may be a wonderful day in many ways, but that's what we want. And so I, 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 I said to my congregation, at the top of your to-do list should be the resurrection of the dead, the coming of the kingdom and glory when you wake up in the morning and you say what do I want to happen today the first answer is I want the, the name of the Lord to be hallowed in heaven and on earth and I want the kingdom which has already come to advance, and to come in its consummate fullness. <laughs> I want evil destroyed. I want the martyrs who've been slain and who are now currently under the altar in the book of Revelation crying out for vindication. I want their prayers to be heard.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's well put. Um, we've run out of time already. I'm looking at the clock here. I don't know where this time has gone, and we got through <laughs> the second petition. Maybe... In summary, can you uh, instruct us a little bit or guide us in our own use of the Lord's Prayer, just just as a summary statement?
1: Well, it's hard to pray. We all experience this. And and our Lord here, I think, is kind of stooping down to us and saying, look, I know it's hard to pray. I'll tell you what, I'll give you the words. And this corresponds Mm. with, with what our Lord as risen and ascended does. He sends the Spirit to help us, to pray within us. We don't know how to pray. The Spirit works and and groans and, and, and prays within us to help us. And one of the ways He does that is the Spirit puts the words of Jesus Himself on our tongue. So I think a helpful aid to prayer would be take the Lord's Prayer and pray it. Not as meaningless rote repetition, but in a meditative, reverent, reflective way. Pray the prayer, as a prayer to God, but also use the petitions and expand on them. Say, say, Lord, here's how I want your name to be hallowed in my life, in my children's life, in this person's life, in the church's life. Here's how I want to see your kingdom come uh, against the forces of darkness that are arrayed over here or Mm -hmm. over there, right, or that I struggle with. So use the petitions as springboards to um, riff, if you will, off of them. So you can use the prayer both ways. And it's a mighty, mighty stimulus, I think, to focusing our prayer life.
0: Mm. Very good. If anyone has a question for Kevin uh, regarding the Lord's Prayer, we would invite you to use our email address. That address is ministry at RedeemerBroadcasting.org. Reminder that this entire episode is up on our website. Check it out. You can uh, play it there. It's a podcast. That's found at RedeemerBroadcasting.org. And Kevin, thank you for joining us today. It's been nice having you. Thanks for having me,
1: Dan. It was a
0: blessing. For Redeemer Broadcasting, I'm Dan Elmendorf. And uh, please join us again next week at this same time for another edition of A Plain Answer.